Matt Stepp, you changed a tire this weekend. How do you think you would fare on a NASCAR pit crew? Absolutely awful. Tep and Step, your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends, your amigos, your high energy buddies at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep Greg Tepper. And I am the Step, Matt Step. In studio Step. Woo! I'm bringing wow. the energy. I'm bringing the heat, Tep. Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. It I'll, I'll be honest. You know, last week, last week, and I think it's because of that Canadian air. You felt you sounded more chill. You sounded more like yeah, you know, you know. I don't want to say low energy because you weren't. You're never low. No. I, don't, I don't. I don't think you have a low energy setting. Uh, you know, I mean, marijuana is legal in Canada, so it's possible <laughs> that you know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. I was just more chill. Yeah, coming you know, out and saying it. Yeah, uh, you know, home cooking. You know, getting a home cooking. Exactly needle, right. You know, no, hanging out. Ooh, it was a little cooler. Which uh, we're getting a cold front. Yeah, I got a. Uh, I got a. I got every. Night before I go to bed, because I'm the coolest guy you know, I get an alert from my weather app that tells me what the weather's going to be. That's the next a time. really dad thing that you're doing. It is, it, and I dad. do it. It's extremely dad. Oh yeah, yeah, it's extremely dad. We're dads. And yesterday, yesterday I was tucking Hank in, and I got the alert and it said it's going to be a hundred degrees tomorrow. And I go, God, yeah, bless it. But then I watched the news that night, which again, that's not true. I watched the news after the Sunday night football game. And mm-hmm. I just left it on. I was still working, and I looked over, and they said, Hey. It's gonna be terrible tomorrow, but then it might cool off. Yeah, I I, I, I welcome it. I'm the ready. Final throws of summer are today. I, I think I think by the time uh, it gets dark, I think the cold front. I believe our friends in the Panhandle are, are already experiencing but, said cold front. But here's the question: Is it autumn, or is it as we've coined here in TexasFootball.com? Is it fraudum? You know what I mean? <sighs> yeah. It could be, because here's the thing. It's still early. You, you know it could be like, it's going to be 77 degrees on like Thursday, and you're like, oh man, it's great. And then like next Monday, it's going to be 98. It'll, that'll do it. Yeah. I don't think we're going to have any more 100. I think with this. I think today's our last 100 degree day in the DFW Metroplex. I hope. We may still have some 90s. Mm-hmm. I can deal with 90s. Me, me too. It's hot, but I can deal with 90s. It's just when it gets like 98, 97, 98 and above, that's when it gets rough. So. The next few days looks nice. And that's your weather talk on Tep and Step because you come to Tep and Step for weather because we are now a weather podcast. This is your premium high school football podcast. We do thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider. We've got a little bit of a week four wrap up and, of course, our week five draft coming up here in just a moment. But first, we will start as we always do, Matthew, with your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. And this is actually, I got to tell you, pretty straightforward. No frills here. Just got a quick question for you. All right. Which district, UIL 11-man district as a whole, has the best winning percentage right now? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to go with District 5-6A. Folks, that's why they call him... Really? The Texas High School Football her. Insider. <laughs> I'm looking at Twitter and not even, I didn't, didn't even research it. I went five, six, is it right? District 5-6-A. What's up? 
has a 85.7% or 857 winning percentage. What's up, ladies? Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, really. All the ladies, I mean, like, yeah. uh, all oh, the ladies who are listening to this podcast will be like, okay, oh, man. the guy knows it. Uh, I guess I got to go and, uh, yeah. and and throw myself at yeah. him. That's right. Uh, District 56A has the uh, has the best winning percentage. really gets them going. Really does. Fellas, um, let me tell you. Try that, try that out on your lady next time you see her. Because Geyer, four now. Mm-hmm. And then two, I would say... Let's say surprise five and four knows Little Elm, yeah, and McKinney Boyd, yeah. Little Elm, Little Elm was really ex- McKinney Boyd is definitely mm-hmm. a surprise. Thought Little Elm would be much improved this year. I think they brought back like nineteen starters, um, but still four and very and, and favorable schedule. And then McKinney Boyd for sure is a surprise. And then Allen Prosper Denton Braswell and McKinney all three and one. Yeah, so they go twenty eight and four. I wasn't sure on Braswell. I knew that Allen Prosper and McKinney were three and zero. Uh, wasn't sure on Braswell. I knew they were either two and two or three and one. So, so there you have it. Yeah. Matt Step nailed it. Man, Stuck the landing up? and everything. Man. Uh, your Texas High School fun fact of the week. Why well, you pay me the big bucks, Ted? Five six A. By the way, you haven't paid me yet. My bad. Um, that's they're actually. I will tell you, they're actually lapping the field too. The next highest I can find is like seventy six percent. Ten five A is at like seventy six percent. Ten four A Division one is is at seventy six percent as well. So um, there you have it. You nailed it. All right. Thank you. All right. Time for a little bit of week four uh, recap, a little bit of week four cleanup. Um, And I love, okay, I I think people mistake us for wanting to be right more than we want to be entertained. I would much rather be wrong and entertained than right and 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 bored, right? Mm-hmm. I think a perfect example is that um, is last year that Canadian Franklin game, right? All of us picked Canadian. We were like, boy, we actually think it might be a bad matchup for Franklin. Mm-hmm. May mm-hmm. go very poorly if there's blowout potential. It could be this one. Oh yeah, we we were we were almost. I mean, we were pretty sure Canadian was going to roll. Franklin. Yeah, we were fairly certain it was going to be a bloodbath. Oh, and instead, game. we got one of the games of the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, one of the best games of the weekend. Yeah. It was really an entertaining ball game. Back so and forth, was, a lot of fun. A, that was hap- happy to be wrong. There. Happy to be wrong. Yeah, I would say the same thing about Rockwall and Highland Park because we sat here on this podcast and I said, I said, guys, I think they, I think Highland Park's not just an underdog. I think they're considerable underdogs. Yeah. There were very few people outside of Highland Park who, and and our buddy Guy Fraser, who probably thought the Scots had much of a chance. Even he was like pretty for for, for, for guy, him for Guy Fraser standards. Yeah, he was pretty like He's usually pretty confident measured. in Scotty's abilities and yeah. rightfully so. But even then, but I'll tell you, that was very impressive to me. And I'm just convinced Highland Park just this has Rockwall's number. They just yeah, they just they do. have Rockwall's number because that's that's a couple of times now where Rockwall has come in and we've thought this is the year they're going to yeah. get them. When the last year they were fresh off beating South Lake, yeah, and then Highland Park comes and. Whoops up on him. I so. know. Impressive stuff. Um, the, I think he uh, said they were 9-1 all time against Rockwall or something. I, thought, I, think, I think Guy Frazier came into the comments today on TFT and said that. So. Um, speaking but, – but so that was one that we, 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 were, we did not have a beat on. One that you had an absolute beat on. Let's talk about Shiner and Poth. Yeah. You yeah. sat here on this podcast last week and you said, I think Shiner might roll in this game. Yeah. And sure enough, if they didn't go out there and now – um, I guess it's kind of what we thought still because Refurio's still cooking. I don't know if you got. We haven't mentioned them because they've breaking. Just been, they've yeah. just been rolling. They've just people. been destroyed. Shiner's schedule has decidedly more been more difficult than Refurio's schedule. Right. I mean, Refurio played Edna a couple weeks ago, and that was yeah. a the, decent test. 
The problem with Referio is twofold. One is that um, – well, it's, it's, it's one which leads to another. Nobody wants to play them, right? No, no. Nobody wants to play them. And the problem is they're in a part of the state where it's like you can't even go that far outside of the region to find people who want to play you. Shiner at the at, – at, you know, because they're in that kind of crossroads area. They're further north. They can go and they can find a 3A team that'll, that, that'll mm-hmm. take on the challenge and stuff. Refurio, just like that part of the world, there's just like they end up having to play, you know, God bless them, but like Sabinal, right? It's yeah. like, you know, who, who again, Cre- God bless credit, them. Credit to Sabinal for playing the game. Yes. Because I'm going to tell you, I tweeted about this. There have been some schools who have used COVID as a very convenient excuse to back out of not lopsided non-district games we heard about this last year mm-hmm. and it's still going on this year i've seen a couple of examples where there's like one case in the whole high school and the school's up oh, we can't play you got covid yeah. you know not gonna name any names so credit to sabinal for yeah not not backing out of the game Take, they the took game. it on the chin they, but they, they, but. they, 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 they they scheduled the game. Yep. And they they followed through. They they followed yep. through with playing the game on their schedule. Yeah, I mean, they got Crystal City this week. They're gonna, they're fifty five point favorites. Yeah. So at least Crystal City, I think, is a four A D two. You know, so Refiro's just going to play whoever whoever's going to be willing to play him. But now we haven't mentioned them. We, but we always have to mention them in conjunction with Shiner. And yeah. now, I mean, if there if there was ever any doubt, in my opinion, that the Power Nexus in 2A Division One remains in Region 4, I think you saw that last week with what Shiner did. And any questions you had about whether or not they were capable of, a, of, of a going back-to-back are probably answered at this yeah, point. They thumped a good... 3A Division Two team in Poth. Yeah, is Poth a perfect team? No, they're they're a flawed team. They're not. They're not probably as good as they were a couple of years ago mm-hmm. when they won the state seven on seven tournament, and I think went twelve and one that year. Mm-hmm. They're not that good, but they're still a solid 3A Division Two team. And Shiner just spanked them. They, they, you know, thirty nine to ten probably doesn't tell the story of how how dominant they were. You were at Geyer and Atascacita. Great game for three and a half quarters. Really, really fun game. Atascacita following my following my tweets. Yeah, uh, online it was it was a fun game. Atascacita had made a couple of, of of little errors toward the end, which ended up costing. The fumble on the kickoff was really the the game changer. Geyer, Geyer goes up by five, and then they fumble on the kickoff, and then the Geyer takes the takes the fumble, and you know a couple plays later scores, and it's a two score game. Then Atascacita, I think they panicked a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. I think they tried to score eleven points on one possession, and yeah. they kind of got out of what they had been doing that had been, had been working, and then you know they had to go three and out, and then Geyer got the it ball was, back and scored. So it was over. it's uh, one of those. That's one of those games where if you look at the final score, it's not indicative. Of no, no, that, that game was, was nip and tuck, and three you can and a half. had the upper hand for a, a fair amount. Yes, of that game once too. Geyer Geyer has Geyer's got a secondary with four Division One players, mm-hmm. two corners and two safeties who are all D one guys, but one of the safeties, uh, Marquand. Pope, who's committed to Pitt, mm-hmm. went out early in the second quarter, and, and guy uh, up until that point, Atascacita couldn't do anything. And when he went out of the game, there was a hole there, and Atascacita really did a good job attacking that. So Geyer took them a minute to adjust, but Geyer's really impressive, and they got their their offense had not really been cooking. Mm-hmm. They were cooking on Friday night. They yeah. they opened it up, and they 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 said Jackson Arnold go win this game, and Jackson Arnold went out and did it. So mm-hmm. he's really impressed. That was a big win for Rodney Webb's ball club. And then tell me about your Saturday game. How how was that? How was that? Well, uh, Tepper, um, my Saturday game did not happen. Uh, I mean, the game happened. Yes, the game took place and went went as expected. As Fort Bend Marshall, I think won by like 70, 60, 70, 70, Yeah, it was a blowout. Um, the second game, the Humble Lamar consolidated game was a good. Was a good. It ended game. up being really good. But I, I missed that too because uh, yeah, on the way to the airport Saturday morning, uh, yeah, I got a flat tire, and uh, I don't know if you've tried this, but changing a flat. 
at 5.30 in the morning in pitch black dark uh, on a on a pickup truck with the jack that the comes with the truck Oof. is challenging, uh, to say the least, in the dark when you're trying to use your cell phone light to, to So it took me a little while to get it. I got it done because, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm a man. I mean, I'm, blah, I'm a man. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it took me a little while. And by the time I got it done, I had missed, missed said flight and uh, was not able to, because the flights were full, um, was not was only only able to get on standby for the rest of the day, at least until like five o'clock. I think I, I think I could could have gotten out at five, but I would have missed the start of the game. I was just like, yeah, no, nah, not happening. So I just got a refund on the flight and just said I'm gonna watch some games on Texan Live and get some work done. And so that's what I did on Saturday. Is I watched, I had college football on, mm-hmm. and I worked on you. You stuff. you followed the Bud Groove Guide. I did, I did, um, and that is a rare rarity for me. I don't watch a lot of college football because I'm at high school games mm-hmm. on Saturdays, as you as you know. Mm-hmm. I'll be in the Slack. Everybody's talking about the college games that are on, and I'll be talking about some random high school game in Houston or San Antonio that I'm at. So, and it does not happen often. Um, it's been a while since I have, other than non-pandemic year, not been at a Saturday fo- high school football game. All right, now I'm I'm gonna yeah, it's been a minute. Uh, it's been since I think. I think week 11 of 2019, I did not go to a Saturday game because after week 11, it's like playoff stuff. We got a lot to do. We got a lot to do. I think I, think I, I, think I took that Saturday off because I was working on tracking down playoff locations and stuff. So it's a rarity. All right. Now I'm going to put you on the spot. I did not, I feel bad about this, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, uh, but I, I, I want to get your, your honest reaction. Do you really feel bad about this? A little bit. Okay. Let's talk four and no teams. Okay. Let's talk four and no teams. And we've we've spent a lot of time talking about surprise four and teams teams that we're surprised at. Give me a okay. Don't include like Gunner. Gunner's four. <laughs> Gunner's four and Really, I'm really shocked they're four and <laughs> Tip. I'm just give me stunned. give me a four and team that's a surprise that you don't think is a fluke. A four and team that you are buying stock in and saying this team. I'm not saying they're going to win a state championship, mm-hmm. but they're the real deal and they could make some noise. That maybe people didn't didn't anticipate being four and zero at this point. El Paso Riverside. Mm. I've seen them. Number mm-hmm. one, uh, they got two legit skill players in um, Speedy Munoz and Jose Guardado, the running back. Munoz is their quarterback. Um, those two are legit big time players and can make a lot of things happen. And I think, and we'll talk about Riverside's matchup this week because it's a big test this week against Monahan's. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Because they're in four A Division One Region One, I think they have a chance to, to if they can get that number one seed out of District One Four A Division One, I think there's a chance they could play a couple of rounds. They can make know, some I, I think they can win a couple of playoff games. Okay. I think the bracket lines up for them, and they 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 have enough talent to to do some damage. So I would say if uh, uh, that that would be that would be one team that qualifies. Okay. All right. Let me see if I can do the same thing. For my own for my own question that I've I sprung on question. you and now um because yeah. that's the thing is that like you know for example we we talked with um um ba, 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 Eric Mims on scoreboard mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Friday night he's got he's got those mighty dons of Paladuro yeah. off to a four and zero start I do think the road gets tougher this week with Tasco yeah. uh, I mean we'll, stuff. yeah I'm sure we'll talk about that game because it's a big game mm-hmm. uh, this week I think Paladuro is, is they're obviously improved. But they've also had that's some that's a uh, I think their four and zero record is also a product of smart scheduling. Yes, that Chris Fisher, the previous head coach, 
set up the schedule to where I think Paladuro could be competitive when they were really down. And I think it just so happens that Paladuro has taken a big step forward this year, and they're playing a schedule that's had a couple of couple of four A teams on it, and a couple of teams in five A D two that are struggling. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you one that I think, and maybe they weren't. You know, maybe the, maybe they weren't necessarily. Maybe they're off your radar a little bit. We had them in the playoffs to start the year. I'll tell you that much. But I don't think Magnolia West is a fluke. Okay, mm-hmm. they're four and zero. They have wins over Brenham, Temple. They went to Lufkin and won, and then they beat Cleveland last week, which they they should have. Magnolia West beat Temple. Magnolia West beat Temple in week two. 27-14. I'm looking at it right now. At Temple. At Wildcat Stadium. Um, I I think they can... Look, they've still got Magnolia down the road, and they finished the year with College Station. I'm not here to tell you they're going to beat College Station. right? And, and actually, New, New Caney's, Caney's been off to a too, great yeah. start. That's a 3-0 and team that I'm also mm-hmm. kind of buying in on. But that defense, man... Ben McGee, he's got that team, that, that thing cooking, man. I'm telling I, I think I'm I think I'm buying in on them. I think that they are... I think they might be the second best team in that re- in that district. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, yeah, I think College Station clearly is the yes. team to beat. But I think after that, I mean, Magnolia West and New Caney, I think, are probably in the mix. Man, Lufkin one and three. What is happening, dude? So if you want to talk about other, t- I mean, if we can- they start struggling, if they, if they miss the playoffs this year, that chirping. There's already been a lot of chirping mm-hmm. in Lufkin. Boy, yeah. The other one that surprised me, and I, I tweeted a little bit about that, dude. But you know, I have a minute about Hugh Midway. They're zero and four, and now and, and look, they they had a tough non district schedule. They did tough non district. <laughs> the district's tougher. They dropped it to Waxahachie, and I don't want to say that I don't want to say that it's church on September twentieth, but they yeah. still got Duncanville, Desoto, Cedar Hill in front of them. Not to mention Mansfield, who is a lot better. Mansfield's a solid team, yeah, a solid team. I think Mansfield and Waxahachie mm-hmm. that game later in the year is probably going to be for that fourth playoff spot. So. I mean that's that's the thing is that like we've now we're now getting to the point you know get to the point you were talking about with like we're kind of halfway through the season already or like some teams are going to be halfway through the regular season it's like I don't know man there's going to be there's going to be some 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 teams that like starting like this week and next week like all right kind of playing out the string yeah and you know like even we t- we talked about Judson you know at length and their struggles I mean they're they're staring at missing the I mean they haven't had a losing season in forty six years that's a team by the way. New Braunfels. I want to see what they do against Smithson Valley this week. It's a big game. Different different style of game with, with Judson. Mm-hmm. They win that game. Let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk about the Mangold squad. So anyway, there's some there's some week four and big high level thoughts there. It's time for our week five draft. If this is your first episode of Tep and Step, welcome. Here's how it works. Step and I go back and forth selecting games we are most interested in across the state of Texas. Any game, any Texas high school football game is on the table. Uh, once it's picked, it's off the board, uh, and then we will go five rounds, and then we will finish it with our hipster game of the week. Big week of games across the state. It's a good week. Really fun week for a and like a it's a nice it's a nice buffet. In the sense, it's it. You know what it is? It's like the it's like a Ryan's buffet, like a Golden Corral, where they got a little bit of everything. Yeah, you know what I mean. A little bit of everything here. That if you want like big time like district showdowns, we got that. If you just got like fun state ranked non district showdowns, we got that. If you want huge rivalry games, we got that. Yeah, little little potpourri here. I like it. So it's be a fun week. Did a coin flip before the show. Step one, the coin flip. He gets pick one one of this week's draft. What is pick one one? You know, I'll start with the game that I just talked about. Um, El Paso Riverside, 4-0. Wait a stinking second. Yeah. You're going to take this game number one? Yeah. I think it's a fun game. 
<laughs> I think it's an underrated fun game. It's a fun game. I, I will say that. It's a fun game. El Paso Riverside 4-0 visits Monahan's 4-0. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what. We talked about Riverside and, and their their starts of the year. How about Monahan's? You know, Coach Fred Stahl. Fred Stahl, there's, there was some chirping last year about Monahan's and their struggles. They've got it going this year. They have wins over Andrews, Big Spring, and Fort Stockton. Yeah. Which, for Monahan's to beat Andrews, I mean, Andrews has been dominant in that part of the state at the 4A Division One level. And for 4A Division Two Monahan's to not only beat Andrews, but to beat them by 15 points, mm-hmm. really impressive. They played their arch rival, Fort Stockton, last week. And get down early against Fort Stockton and rally late, take the game to overtime. They score a touchdown in overtime. Their defense forces a fumble to win the game. The Lobos are rolling. Mm-hmm. And this is a team that I think could potentially, in 4A Division II, be a real sleeper in Region 1. I mean, all, all the air is going to get sucked out of the room. We can talk about Salina and Aubrey. But I think Monahan's is a team that kind of flying under the radar that could could really make a little bit of noise. They've got a good combination of size and speed up, um, size up front and then speed at the skill spots that I think can do some damage. Riverside played a 5A school last week in um, Clint Horizon, and just they just score points. Yeah. They're, you know, 46-36 win over Clint Horizon. That they, they just they are hard to stop offensively. And they can kind of they got that kind of offense that they can kind of outscore their problems. Absolutely. You know? and, and Munoz, uh Speedy Munoz at quarterback is an unbelievable dual threat. He throw, you know, you th- you you hear his nickname Speedy and you think he's just a running quarterback, but he throws the ball really well. Um, Gary Ricoder has done a heck of a job at his alma mater getting Riverside back to a place in El Paso where they're one of the better teams because Riverside has a proud tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, they've won a lot of football games in the past and they really had struggled the past few years and, and he's got that thing turned around. There's going to be a big crowd coming from El Paso for this game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm really interested because this is a real measuring stick game out west for these two ball clubs. I think Monahan's and their size up front is going to wear down a smaller Riverside ball club. But if Riverside can, can pull out this win, it's really going to really raise my eyebrows. Because now you look at Riverside, Monahan's has basically run, run the table against Riverside's by-district mm-hmm. opponents in District 1, 4A, Division 1. So if Riverside can beat Monahan's, I think that sends the message that I think Riverside is that team that could make a little bit of noise in Region 1 and be that kind of sleeper team. Yeah. All right, you've sold me. You've sold me. Like, there's some, you know, look, and, and, and that's the thing. We're, we're going to, you know, we've got, there's a big game for Springtown this week. We'll get a be- better measuring stick for them against Midlothian Heritage. Um, Dumas has got a big game this week as well. Canyon Randall, I want to say. Good measuring sticks there. But I think that you're right. I think that if you're Riverside, you might see an opening here. And you might say, Region 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 One does not have this dominant force right now. At least not that's revealed itself. Maybe Springtown is that team, and they're just going to run past everybody. But like, they haven't revealed themselves to be that quite yet. Yeah, I think Region One is wide open mm-hmm. this year. You know, the last couple of years it's kind of been Dumas, Springtown, Canyon, mm-hmm. Decatur, kind of those four. I think this year it's wide open. Yeah, I think even so. like a team like Pampa has really made a little, mm-hmm. done some good things and made some noise this year. So I think it's a fun game. It's probably not the the true number one game, I but I, it, it really caught my eye. You've talked you've you've talked me into it. I'm excited. El Paso Riverside uh, and Monahans is your pick first pick. I suppose I will go to the opposite side of the state. I will go to Panola County. Okay, for this game, it's seven o'clock. It's Friday night at Bulldog Stadium in Carthage as the number two team in 4A Division Two, the Gilmer Buckeyes, visit the number one team in 4A Division Two, the Carthage Bulldogs, as a rematch of the 2020 
for a Division II state championship game where Gilmer took a 14 nothing lead and the game ended, according to people in Gilmer. And, <laughs> yes, and, and, according to folks in Upshur County. And, and, and then it was over. Yeah. No, then Carthage rattled off 70 straight. 10, I think they went 10 for 10. Too. I think they scored they touchdowns the on the next 10, 10 drives. Okay. That's incredible. Including some drives, like, they just, like, had the ball briefly when they were returning an interception for touchdown. Yeah. Okay. I guess they technically okay. had 10 drives. So, let's, we can talk first and foremost about, like, the, the, the game at hand here. You had some thoughts on this game. I remember you, you teased it on TFT today. I have, I have some thoughts. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, the, the players. Gilmer has been great. And I think Brandon Tennyson's awesome. I think Rohan Fluellen's awesome. A lot of these guys from last year are back. Ashton Haynes, a new running back, I think has stepped up in a big way. Their defense, basically, aside from last week against Lindale, has been great. And then Lindale, good, good, good Lindale team, obviously. Just kind of Lindale's kind of had bad luck this year. They've had a really tough mm-hmm. schedule. They have, um, but the defense has been great, right? Carthage is in an interesting spot, right? They're coming off two consecutive off weeks. Yes. Um, second straight year it's happened. Second, yeah. Uh, two consecutive. Folks aren't allowed to play Carthage. I don't get it. Weird. Uh, two consecutive off weeks. I think it's fair to say that their offense has been a little inconsistent. It's been inconsistent at the start. They're oh, yeah. still shuffling through the two quarterbacks in um, the Rockmore. Rockmore. It's I have their names written down here. Uh, Connor Cuff and Javarian Rockamore. Yeah. Those are the two. And they've kind of gone back and forth. I don't know if one's really established themselves. They've, they've, they're, they're 2-0. and they sh- You don't apologize for wins. Uh, they've, they've looked good. And, and the thing is, their defense has been as advertised. Yes. I mean, no doubt about it. There's, nobody has any doubts about Kip Lewis, about Brandon Haynes. No about questions there. Brandon King, rather. They've got dudes. Okay. So here's, here's my big thought. I've spent a lot of time this weekend thinking about this. Okay. So let's have a conversation about rankings. There are some – you and I come together and do the rankings every Friday with, or mm-hmm. every, every Sunday with some help from the Dave Campbell's crew and put together the rankings. Oh, um, I just got an email. You got an email. Um, put together the rankings. And there are some times – we've got asked about it in, on the show today. There are some times where we look at a team and we say – that based on we have to balance right now the resume and how good we think the team is right both those things have to work in concert and sometimes mm-hmm. they don't line up i'll give you an example okay right now in 3a division 2 uh according to the dave campbell's texas football 3a division 2 rankings canadian ranks eighth i do not think canadian is the eighth best team in 3a division 2 i think they're probably closer to fourth maybe fifth maybe third top five yeah they're a top five team but because they have that loss to bushland we have to weigh that into the rankings so they're number eight right that's the data we have right now right all of that is to say i am fairly certain gilmer's the second best team in four division two i think that is fair to say if you look at what who else is is there maybe you know maybe a team like salina who's been very good who lost last week to um we lost to Argyle two weeks lost ago. Lost to Argyle two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. West Orange Dark, who just beat Newton. You know, China Springs off to a great start, Belleville, et cetera. I would say right now, if you were to ask me who's the second best team in four division two, I agree with our rankings in Gilmer. Carthage, I don't think anybody doubts, is the best is the number one team in four division two for understandable reasons. If if Carthage hangs another seventy to fourteen on them on Friday night, our questions become more existential Mm -hmm. like what are we doing here as in 
at that point, are we just waiting, staring into the void of inevitability? Because if I'll just say that if Carthage goes out there and smokes Gilmer, which there's a non-zero chance it happens. I think it's lower than last week, last than, than like the state championship game. But if there's a non-zero chance that this game is fifty-six to fourteen. Yeah. <clears throat> if that happens, do we stop paying attention to four A Division two? It becomes one of those fait accompli weird moments where here we are sitting on September 24th, it'll be, going, well, that class is is done. It's a weird thing I thought about a lot this weekend. It's... I mean, at some point though, you just admire the dominance. Exactly. You just you just take it in. You enjoy the workings of the machine. Yeah, I do. I think Gilmer's better than last year. I agree, especially up front. I think Gilmer's a lot better up front than they were last year. Carthage is not as good as they were last year. Right now, especially offense, because the offense has had some issues. Now, they've had, they've had guys out. They had a bunch of kids out with COVID protocols mm-hmm. the last couple weeks. They've got all their guys back. And from what my guys in Carthage have told me is last week. Carthage basically went 1v1 and went like hardcore scrimmaging last week against each other. Mm-hmm. They went good on good. And I expect to see a much sharper mm-hmm. Carthage offense this week. And I think I, I expect to see a much more cohesive offensive line and running, running game. Carthage's running game has been fairly non existent the past two weeks. I think there's going to be a concerted effort to get the running game going this week. I think we are going to see a much better effort from Carthage this week. I'm, I'm excited to see if we see that sharpness from because if, if we don't see it this week, yeah, that's the. I'm not sure we'll see th- this. You know, if we don't see a sharp Carthage offense this week, I don't think we'll see a sharp Carthage offense all year. Because that's the that's the other side of it. The other side of it is, what if Gilmer beats them? What if Gilmer or what if Gilmer just hangs with them? This game is is a one score game with three minutes left in the game, right? And maybe Carthage wins, goes and wins the game by fourteen, something like that. If that Gilmer's happens, been known to do that. I mean, I, isn't I, I was at a Gilmer Carthage game where Gilmer led for three quarters. So. Isn't it game on at that point? We will. What's so strange about this game is it feels bigger than just a non district game. It feels like we're. This feels like the State of the Union address of 4A Division Two, yeah. where it's like, tell us how this thing is going to look for the next year. Because I think if Carthage blows Gilmer out, I think you're right. I think I think a lot of teams are just like, well. We're going to try to win as many games until, until we play Carthage. You That's know, exactly right. Those things. But if Gilmer hangs with Carthage, yes. it gives everyone who's a contender hope. Exactly. That, the, that, that, that they bleed. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, what's that movie where, where they go, he bleeds, you know? Rocky IV, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rocky IV. He's, yeah. yeah. Where, where Drago, where he, where he, if, if that happens, I think that's the moment where everyone mm-hmm. in 4AD2 goes, man. Maybe one of us can hang with Carthage, and you know, if we mm-hmm. hang around with them, anything can happen in the fourth quarter. So I am so fascinated by this game because of what it means in the in the broad strokes, and I don't know, I've, it's been stuck in my brain all weekend. Anyway, my first pick is Carthage and Gilmer. There's a big existential conversation about why we're here. What's next? You know, Nilist Arby's on us now. All of a sudden, you know, <laughs> eat Arby's. Yeah. we're all gonna die. Eat Arby's. <laughs> Eat a roast beef sandwich. What's your second? That's a great Twitter follow, by the way. This is so ridiculous. <laughs> was it nihilist Arby's? Nihilist Arby's. Yeah, not nihilist Arby's. Nihilist Arby's. Yeah, you went all, all right. nihilist Arby's. What's on your this. second pick? I'll go with the I thirty Classic in a battle of top twelve teams in Class Six A, and where I know there'll be good press box food in this game, as Rockwall takes on Rockwall Heath at Wilkerson Sanders Stadium, and the folks in the press box will get to enjoy babes. Is this the biggest game in the city of Rockwall history? 
I know Rockwall played. For, I think in the eighties, Rockwall played for a state championship. I believe. I think. I know they were really good. Maybe Stim- well, I can look this up. I thought they played you, West you Orange keep talking, Stark in but, the state. Yeah, uh, well, but I will also say, I wonder if this is bigger than that. This is because huge. of like everything around. It was it. two two Rockwall schools. Yes, and both of them are top top twelve in the state's biggest classification. You know, Rockwall's grown so much. Um, I think this is going to be a if you like points. You want to talk about they played for a title. Yeah, eighty seven West Orange Stark. Uh, sounds right. I'll, I'll once again yeah. confirm that. We're conf- te- as Greg Tepper live on the podcast really is confirming. Um, but yeah, Rockwall. I, this is going to be an incredibly pointsy game because both of these teams are absolutely loaded with talent. And Rockwall Heath probably has more talent. I mean, Rockwall Heath has D one quarterback, D one running back. I think two D one receivers. They are loaded. They got two or three D one guys on the offensive line. Heath is probably the more talented team here. Rockwall's got Braden Locke, the Mississippi State commit, but other than that, that they've got some young skill guys who I think are going to emerge, but they don't have, they're not the big name. I mean, Heath's got the star power in this game. Rockwall's coming off getting their pants pulled down against Highland Park. Because that's that's what happened against mm-hmm. Highland Park. Rockwall came in flying high after they they pulled Lake Travis's pants down a week before. They go into Highland Park and Highland Park takes a paddle and spanks their behinds. I don't I I do wonder if there is a little, little you know, doing the Vince McMahon walk in in Rockwall for a little bit too much, possible, and not and and not going against a team that you know Highland Park. Let's say this: Highland Park, when they're cooking, they're a humbler man. Yeah, they will humble you quick. Yeah. So Rockwall got humbled. So what? I, I'm interested to see what Rockwall's state of mind is going into this game because they get better get the minds right mm-hmm. against Heath because Heath. Rockwall spanked Heath last year. Heath came in with a lot of promise, and we thought Heath might. This might be the year Heath takes Rockwall down, and Rockwall said none of that. They beat him. So now Heath, this this is their shot here, you know. And Heath Heath has shown, you know, they can hang with the big boys because they they took South Lake Carroll to the wire and lost by a point. I don't take a whole lot from last week's game against McKinney North. That's a five A team that was pretty overmatched against Heath. Um, now Heath's defense has left something to be desired this year as well. That's why I both of them. Yeah, I, I'm going to set the over under at 95 in this game. Dude, I think this game's going to get up and down. It's going to be a shootout. Um, I I lean to Heath. I think this is if, if Heath's going to get Rock Wallets this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a rivalry game. They're not. They're they're, they're evenly matched. It's going to be a huge. I mean, Wilkerson Sanders is going to be a full house. I probably have to bring in extra bleachers for this one. It's going to be. Everything you want and more from a rivalry game and, and two teams. If you like points, get out there to Rockwall. You're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be swimming in points in this one. So I'm gonna go with Heath in a close one, but but I, I think it's gonna be fun. I lean towards Heath as well. Um, and this does feel, this is one of those games that I don't. I'd almost was it the Pioneer Liberty Hill game last year that we were all really looking forward to because it was just going to be super pointsy. Yeah. And like we we all saw it coming and like there was like for a half second all of us like worried like oh man what if the game ends up like 21-17 we all look like idiots. Yeah, and then it was like 21-17 3 minutes into the game. Yeah, exactly. We're like oh this is going to happen. It's happening. It's yeah. the, it's the happening gif. I think that the, I think that it's happening here too. And and I'm I'm very I think this is going to be pointsy and it could be who has the ball last type game. And 
supreme offensive talent on this on the display here. I mean, and two good offensive minds too, right? Oh yeah, uh, with Trey Brooks and Mike Spradlin. I mean, two guys who are going to cook up some things. And and by the way, I mean, look here's the other thing about this that go, that goes you know a little bit underappreciated here. Um, hey, by the way, this is a district game. Yes, it's a district opener. This is a district opener, and the winner of this game. I mean, heavy favorite to win the district? Oh, yeah. I mean, because... I don't know who else... I like. They, I mean, they top, would have to slip up. So they would really have to step in it to not yeah. win the district. You know what I mean? So a lot on the line here, too. Those are the best kinds of games. Rivalry games, important, like major implications, fireworks. It's going to be fun. I think the only thing that's really not on the line is p- playoff seating because yeah. I think Rockwall is going to go D1 and Heath's going to go D2. So that's probably the one thing that... Other than the rivalry aspects, yeah. not on the line. So, Rockwall and Rockwall Heath is your second pick. Uh, you mentioned rivalry games. You mentioned um, games with a lot of like district implications. You mentioned fireworks. Mm-hmm. 7.30 p.m. Friday night at the reservation in Port Natchez. For the 98th time, the best rivalry in Texas high school football. Yes. It's the Mid-County Madness. It's the Bum Phillips Bowl. It's a rivalry so good, they have to have two names for it. It's Nederland, and it's Port Nature's Groves, and it has all those things. Huge rivalry game. 98 times they've met. And these, I mean, this is not friendly. This is not on that Friday night. Not it's on not. that Friday night. Um, huge implications, right? I mean, you take a look at that district. Uh, Nederland's off to a great start. Uh, now ranked in our rankings. By virtue of being idle, yeah. Um, but they have been very good. Three and zero start, looking very good. PNG also they're in District Twelve Five A Division Two, trying to get their feet underneath them. I think they had a tough loss last week against Tumball. Tumball, I want to say, yeah, Tumball, yeah. Um, but want to get there. Fireworks. I believe that there has literally been fireworks yes. shot into the students. Literally section. at the game that I was at. <laughs> the year that I went to Nederland PNG, <laughs> the Nederland, Nederland student section fired a, uh, a Roman candle at the PNG student <laughs> section, and it hit a poor English teacher from PNG. Yes. And I believe she had to get a little bit of medical. I don't think she was seriously hurt, but she had to get. I mean, you get hit, she got hit with a Roman candle. Yes. And that thing flew across. The, and I'm sitting in the press box. And I look to my left, and I see a freaking a <laughs> rocket flying across the field. <laughs> like what in the war? And it's a packed house. I mean, it's going to be it's it's nuts. It's, it's nuts. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Hold on, hold on to your butts, type game. And the other thing about the past couple of years, probably I would need to look this up. I probably should have done this before I came into the studio. This rivalry has been super tight lately. Yeah, it's all—it's hardly game, ever a blowout. Every game is nipping tight. I remember Rashawn Johnson had like a game-winning touchdown run at one point, like in the final minute of like maybe 2018, 2019. Yeah, 2018, and then I think the year I went, Rashawn Johnson was a junior, and I think mm-hmm. Nederland scored late to win. Nederland was a big underdog in that game. And PNG last year ran in for a touchdown in the final minutes to win the game, 22-20. And, and this is a, a massive matchup with a lot of implications. Good quarterback play in this one. Uh, Cole Crippen for, uh, for PNG. Uh, Luke, uh, Luke Broussard for, for Nederland. Uh, both teams coming off a bye, which is perfect. Two weeks to prepare. Like, and you know they're throwing everything in oh. the kitchen. Because this could be – I mean, Crosby's still in the mix, mm-hmm. but this could be for the district championship. This is unload the playbook night. Yeah. In 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 Port Natchez, like v- like everything you've got, all the trick plays, all the wrinkles, you throw them here, 
and because there's so much on the line and it's the rivalry. Yeah. Um, it'll be fun. I lean towards Nederland. I think that they have a little bit more offensive balance, and I trust their defense a little bit more in this game. Uh, but it will be a one possession game. It will somebody will be throwing into the end zone like on the final play. Yeah. It always is like that, and it's going to be especially after last year where it's like. You know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to use a crude term, but uh, but let's just say that everybody's a little pent up. Yeah, you know, we weren't able to get together and yell at each other last yeah, year. Yeah, so I think everybody's a little pent up, and it's uh, going to be a. Uh, I think the odds of being a full house at uh, PNG Stadium uh, will be one hundred percent, one hundred and thirty percent. I believe yeah. they already said there were people like camping out for tickets. And oh stuff, yeah, which, that's that's one of those. Of course, yeah, that Harlingen San Benito, PNG Nederland, Sherman Denison, and iconic, rivalries that are yes. iconic in the state of Texas. An iconic rivalry, the ninety eighth time. It's the Mid County Madness. That's my second pick. What's your third pick, Matthew? I'm going to go to the other side of the state. And I'm going to go all the way up to beautiful Amarillo, Texas Mm -hmm. for a district opener at Big Dick Bivens Stadium as the Paladuro Dons 4-0 take on the 3-1 Tascosa Rebels in an Amarillo ISD showdown with with a lot on the line all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Because for Paladuro under first-year head coach Eric Mims, you know, they're talking playoffs, and rightfully so. Because I think outside of – that that fourth spot in District Two Five A Division One is completely up for grabs. No one has has really even the third spot. You know Coronado, Lubbock Coronado with their early season struggles. You know I think Paladuro is saying, "Why not us? Why can't we get in the playoffs this year? Why can't we, we we Why can't we make it happen?" And they've run up an impressive start. They they obviously have played a, a manageable schedule. You know last week they beat Borger thirty four to thirteen, and Borger Four A Division Two school kind of struggling right now. But I'll tell you what, this Treshawn Monroe running back that they have, that the Dons have, has been putting up big numbers all year. Jaden Garza, their quarterback, has been accurate and been making great decisions. And there's just a different, there's just a different attitude and feel. It's a vibe, man. Yeah, they've got it. They've got it going. They've got a little bit of that. Paladuro for a long time was a really good program. They they were a program that you, did, you wanted no parts of in the playoffs. They had that north side swagger. They 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 come into the games and, and they felt like they could beat anybody in the state of Texas. And they lost that. And I think Eric Mims, being a hometown boy, you know, he, he's he's bringing that back to the north side of Am- that that neighborhood pride that he talks about in North Amarillo. That being said, they're going up against a team. Here is the best team they've played this year by about by a factor of about ten. Yeah, Tascosa. I, I said it preseason. This is the team to beat in five A Division One Region One, and they are. They look the part. They play the part. They played four six A opponents in non district, and went three and one and dominated three of them and pushed Midland Legacy, who is the best six A team in West Texas, pushed them to the brink. They're big. On the road. Yeah. On the road. They're big. They're physical. They're deep. You know, Tascosa made the state semifinals in 2017. Mm-hmm. You lost, lost a long view in the state semifinals. This Tascosa defense is far superior to that Tascosa defense. Mm. Like, they, they're, they've got D1 dudes on that defensive line. They, their front seven is nasty. Um, you know, we saw the, the Avion Carter highlight where he just destroyed the San Angelo <laughs> Central offensive lineman that we'd retweeted out. And then offensively, that flex bone offense, mm-hmm. BT Daniel's not Joseph Plunk. He's not he's not quite the operator of that offense that Joseph Plunk nobody will be. No. Joseph Plunk was a one. They're gonna make they're gonna build a statue to him. But <laughs> BT Daniel runs that offense to perfection. He's gotten a lot better at it this year. And they've got Latravian Brown, Major Everhart. I mean, Major Everhart, you know, he he scores, you know, 
he basically averages 30 yards per touch, but he only touches it five or six times a game because they spread the ball around so much. Their depth, they're fast, they're physical. I think this is going to be a little bit of an eye-opener for Paladuro. Tascosa's going to roll in this game, I think, and they're going to win comfortably. But I think what's what you're going to see from Paladuro is Coach Mims after this game is going to say, hey, this is where we need to get to. We're not there yet. And he's going to kind of dangle that carrot for the rest of the season to his kids. Hey, we, we can get here. We just got to keep working at it. So I think Tascosa is going to send a little bit of a message in this game. But I think long term, this is going to be a good thing for Paladuro. Margins matter here. Margins matter here because I think you're right. Tascosa is a favorite. Tascosa is a clear favorite. One might argue a heavy favorite, but for Paolo Duro, if they are, if if they really want to keep talking playoffs, hang, keep this thing a game at halftime, make make Tesco a sweat, yeah, make Tesco a sweet, sweet, think about it a little bit. Um, you do that, you're gonna, you're going to open up a lot of eyes in that district because mm-hmm. I think there are probably some people in this district who are probably looking at Paolo Duro and be like, ah, yeah. You know, you know, great you story. Burger, Wichita you Falls, all these Plainview, teams. Seminole. Okay, sure. that's nice. You hang, you make Tascosa sweat, and um, you make them play meaningful snaps in the second half of this game. And I think then you're going to have the other team that they're going to be battling for playoff spots with for, for the, the Lubbock Monterey's, right? The Lubbock Coronados, the, the, the you know, the, the Cap Rocks of the world. Yeah. You're going to have them going like, okay, all right. Weather, weather game that on. early storm. Yes. It, Tascosa against Abilene High ran out to a 21 nothing lead in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. San Angelo Central, thirty-two to seven in the second quarter. Mm. You got to weather that early storm from Tascosa. I think that I think Tascosa did the same thing um, in their other game against. Um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on who they played. Legacy? Who else? Uh, well, no, they they lost them in the three wins. Well, yeah, yeah. Abilene High, uh, somewhere. Permian. They Permian. ran out to a That's big. Right. They, they got they jumped out on Permian real quick as well. I think it was like twenty-one-seven. Mm-hmm. So. Weather the early storm if you're Paladero. If you can weather the early storm, maybe make it maybe make it a little bit of a game uh, in the second half. Okay, let's go on. I'm going to go from the Panhandle to boy. I'm going to make people in this town mad if I don't get this right. I mean, I guess it's still the Panhandle. Where's Childress? Technically, the Panhandle. Right, they're in that weird spot. I think they. I think the Amarillo TV stations cover them, and I okay. know our friends at Press Pass Sports cover them. Okay, so. let's go to Fair Park Stadium. Seven, beautiful, beautiful Fair Park Stadium. Beautiful Fair Park Stadium. Historic Fair Park Stadium. 7 p.m. Friday night at Fair Park Stadium. A district opener between the Spearman Lynx and the Childress Bobcats. Um, did you see the offensive show that uh, Childress put on last week? Man, we saw them at 7-on-7. Seven seven. They got all the way to the championship game in 7-on-7. Seven seven. They got dudes. Cats. Colin Bishop is the quarterback. Wide receivers Lamont Nickelberry and Avery Jalomo. Okay. Jalomo, Jalomo. He's the big tight end kid we saw. Remember, he was just catching everything Mm -hmm. they were throwing at him. Last week, those three combined for 19 receptions for 384 yards and four touchdowns. It's unbelievable production. Okay, the offense has been humming. And they've got a great running back in Darion Mm -hmm. Mathis who they didn't even need last week. They didn't need him. Okay. District opener, District uh, 3-3A Division 2, is that right? I believe it is District 3. Okay, District 3-3A Division 2. Taking on Spearman. Spearman's in a weird spot. Spearman's in a real weird spot. Because Spearman is banged up. Yes. In a big way. Not just Brennan Thompson. Who's, that's the headliner. That's the headliner. He's out for, and they, they think it's going to be a couple more weeks. I don't know. At they least. Have, they have I, think, an I think the hope is maybe they can get him back you know, by week 8 or 9. Right. But Jack Davis, who I believe is another one of their running backs, Carson Seaman, another one of their big-time playmakers, all out. Last week, they were forced to turn to take 
Braden Klafka, who's like probably their best non Brennan Thompson like receiver, basically, mm-hmm. and put him at quarterback and essentially kind of run like a modified Wildcat almost. Single wing type yeah, offense, yeah. He threw the ball a little bit and threw it okay, but like they were running the ball effectively. I think you give, and they were up against, was it Shallow Water? I want to say no that's who no. children's played uh yeah spearman played uh vega last vega week. vega a ranked vega team yeah and you want to talk about a defense bowing up against a good vega offense right that ryan grow had been oh yeah cooking people and the defense said all right you know what offense needs us today and they bowed up and came up with a big, big. They've game. been doing it in yeah. the last. Th- I think in the last three games, they've allowed a total of thirteen points. Spearman's defense has been getting it done. They've been great. So now, the, the links are on to Plan C, Plan Z, yeah. basically. Um, what I find interesting about this is: is can the Spearman defense come up with that little magic and slow down what has been a high-powered offense? The other thing about this game, I didn't realize this. I didn't realize how much Childress has dominated the series. Okay, now part of it is that Childress is like the perennial power. Yeah, other than Canadian and three division mm-hmm. two in that part of the state, it's Childress. Childress owns a thirteen and three record against Spearman, and even last year when Spearman beat them in district play, they had a receipt for him in the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? And they yep. beat him in the playoffs. Yeah, Childress beat him in the playoffs. So for Spearman, you know, it sticks in their crawl. They remember this, but they're I I I I'm a little sad about this. Because I think full-strength Spearman against full-strength Childress is a whale of a ball game. Absolutely. And hopefully we can knock, you know, knock on wood. Let's see how things go. We may get in the playoffs. If they can heal up, and maybe we get in the playoffs. But I think at home against a team that's, uh, against a team that's really cooking right now, you know, or against a team that's banged up rather for, for Childress, I, I think that the Bobcats have got to be the favorite here. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think so. I, I think I – think- Spearman's been asking a lot of their defense, and man, that Childress offense—that's mm-hmm. that's just a different animal yeah. right now. And I feel like I don't think Spearman's going to be able to keep up. I think that's probably the problem. Is that is that for for me? If if Childress can literally get to thirty points, that's it. Yeah. You know, now there's a good Spearman defense, and they yeah. can maybe hold them under that. Yeah, keep this thing I, I interesting. Think 28, 30 points is the, the is, magic number. If Childress gets there, I think it'll be just too much to ask Spearman's banged up offense. What is your fourth pick, Matthew? Well, I'm going to head down to Corpus Christi in my Saturday game, and it's a top 10 matchup in 4A Division One as the 7th-ranked La Vega Pirates take on the 10th-ranked Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi Miller Bucks in one of the more, most anticipated games in the 3-6-1 in quite some time. This is a weird matchup. It is. I think it's a weird regional matchup. It's a weird style matchup. It's, it's a, a weird day. It's a weird day. Day of the week matchup? Never. Corpus Christi is not, you know, there's a lot of Saturday games that are played around the state. Corpus Christi never plays Saturday games. Not in, the play, not in the regular season. I wonder if, I wonder if the neutral is going to come out for this. I, I have, so I talked to Corpus Christi ISD AD Brenda Marshall today, mm-hmm. making sure I was re- requesting my credentials and getting the, getting the lay of the land and making mm-hmm. sure if there's any, you know, we're still making sure COVID protocols are, you know, is there anything I need to do? Do I need to, do I need to fill out a checklist? You know, just making sure I got my I's dotted and my T's crossed. Sure. And uh, Coach Marshall said that, that there's been a lot of uh, local interest uh, in the game from, from the neutral. People buying tickets online from, it. from neutral parties. You know, she's, you know, people from Alice, people from Sinton, people from Gregory, Portland. 
on you know buying tickets to the game online. So I, I think the, I think the neutral will come out for this game because it's, it's a rarity in Corpus, and I think a lot of people are wanting to see this matchup. And it's a it's a great stylistic matchup because you have La Vega, who is just this sledgehammer of a team. Who La Vega comes out and they don't make any bones about what they're going to do. They want to beat the hell out of you, mm-hmm. and they want to make you like it. And you have Corpus Christi Miller, who even though they don't have Andrew Body anymore, they got this kid, uh, Jaden Brown. Uh, this Holy sophomore. crap, yeah. dude! Dude, we had we had highlights of him on scoreboard, and I'm like, I there was a moment where I worried that we had last year's highlights, yeah. like because it was like, no, oh crap, they've got Andrew Body out here. That's embarrassing. Like, yeah. what what do we do? And it's like, no, Jaden Brown out here cooking. Yeah, th- this this Corpus Christi Miller offense is is they're they're gonna sling it around. They're gonna spread you out. They they got playmakers all over the field. And they're going to try to. They want to get into a shootout, and they're like they're fine with that. You know, they they put up sixty two on a six A 6A school last week, and Brownsville Han is no slouch. Brownsville Han is not a bottom feeder six A program in the Rio Grande Valley. They're, that's a that's a team that's trying to compete for a playoff spot in thirty two six A, and Miller just destroyed them. Mm-hmm. Lonnie Atkinson is a fantastic receiver, and that matchup, those La Vega DBs against the Corpus Christi Miller receivers, is going to be a fantastic matchup to watch. I love this matchup because of the style the styles clash, and I think this is a great measure. We, I think we, I, I was so impressed with La Vega last week because they took Argyle and pushed Argyle like no one has pushed Argyle mm-hmm. since probably. Argyle's last loss, which was against La Vega mm-hmm. in the 2019 playoffs. It reminded me a lot of that. Because no one pushed Argyle. Argyle just blew past everyone last year. They, they weren't really challenged last year at all. I think Paris, for a little while, made them work. But other than that, I mean, Argyle just d- destroyed everyone on, on the way to the state title. They had to work. They needed to kick off. Or La Vega took the lead mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter in this game. Mm-hmm. La Vega lured Argyle into their game. I, I want to see if La Vega's defense can do it again this week against against a a similarly explosive offense in Miller, and then I want to see if this this might be the game that La Vega's offense finds their footing. Yeah, because Miller say what you want about Miller's offense defensively, they they leave a lot to be desired, um, and I think this could be the game that La Vega's running backs go mm-hmm. off. So I think this this could be a real harbinger for things to come for La Vega if La Vega because La Vega's defense is there. If that offense gets cooking, I think that there's they're a team that's going to be a real problem in Region Two. So, I think La Vega goes to Corpus Christi on wow. Saturday and walks out a buck with a win. Okay, I'm on the opposite side of that. I think Miller. I think the offense for Miller is going to be able to out to outscore them, and I think that's going to be the issue because I still have some questions about this La Vega offense. And if they get going, then it's like if this. I mean, they're the diesel engine, right? Like, yeah. and that's the La Vega offense is the diesel engine. If if they get going, there is nothing you can do. Yeah. And by the way, they're going to keep going next week and the week after that. And the week after yeah, that, they'll get rolling. But that's the big question. This is the rare. You know, you, you're usually locked into college ball on Saturday, but I bet you'll be. I bet, I bet be, you'll have a screen on this. Game. I'm going to be. I'm going to be on this. I'm going to be. Making our friends at Real Sports Live are going to stream it. So watch it. And I think one of the local TV stations is also doing it. So Miller La Vega is your fourth pick. My fourth pick, Matthew. I'm going to go to the Alamo City, and I'm probably not doing the game you might think of. I'm doing a matchup of unbeaten's. Okay. But it's not that game. No, 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 no. Let's go seven thirty, seven o'clock Friday night at Hero Stadium in San Antonio. Okay. I don't know if I'm ready to say that this is a District 28-6A title game. Okay. Because I still have some questions, and I'm not ready to throw dirt on San Antonio Reagan. But San Antonio Johnson and San Antonio Brandeis are going to go at it on 7 o'clock on Friday night. 
And this will go a long way towards determining the shape of this district, a long way towards determining the shape of San Antonio high school football going forward. A lot happening here in this game. It's a big game. Brandeis and Joe. It feels big. Yeah. It feels it's big. a good week with, with that. And then obviously Smithson Valley and mm-hmm. New Braunfels. Great Friday night of action mm-hmm. in the two one zero. You have no excuse to sit at home. And then you also have uh, El Campo and Bernie Champion. Mm-hmm. Not which I believe one. Ashley Pickle somehow secured media credentials for this game. Let me tell you Let me tell you a remarkable stat. Would you, are you ready for Tepper's fun, you know, Tepper's neato stat of the week? Let's hear it. San Antonio Johnson has yet to trail this season. Tell you what, Mark Soto's doing a heck of a job at Johnson. He's done a great job. They always land that first punch, and they always come like they always have a, like a counter punch. Like if you come back and score on them, they're like, "Cool, we got you." Like they are always, they always have that stomach for the fight. And Ben McCreary, their running back, has been great. Cruz Kerwin is the quarterback who's been very, very strong. They have an absolute game breaker in Kanan Fairley. This kid runs a ten six in the hundred. <laughs> this kid is a burner. I run okay? a ten six. 40. I think I do too. Yeah. I think I, I, I think I'd probably catch that in a 40. Um, for Brandeis, Brandeis is doing the two quarterback system. They've got Nico Garcia and JC Evans, both of which have been, you know, pretty good. But the real star of the show, I think, is their running game with Christopher Rodriguez. They run the ball really effectively. They also have a game breaker themselves in Aiden and yet. Aiden Inesta Rodriguez. He was playing quarterback, I think, in the first mm-hmm. game of the season. They've they've moved him around. I think that they are... Com- he's kind of their Swiss Army knife, he isn't is. he? He had like a kickoff return for a touchdown. Their win over Clark last week. Um, he catches balls out of the backfield. He'll line up all over the place. He is there. He plays in the secondary yeah. a lot. He's he, their... Yeah, he is their guy. He, he, he plays defense. I think he's got a pair of interceptions on the year. He's their Swiss Army knife. And so, I am really intrigued to see these two teams who I think have... I don't know if either of them have really taken a big punch yet, and that's what's going to be really interesting. Now, last week, Brandeis played around a little bit with Clark, and Clark's better. Clark's better. And Clark's got designs on challenging for a playoff they spot also. They, but they are... But like basically, the best win of this group for either of these teams is probably when Johnson beat Wagner in the opener, mm-hmm. which is a good win, but 21-13. This is the biggest test for both of them. And, again... Understanding that Reagan, even though they're one and two, I think they're you know their losses are to Brennan, very good, and Sybil Steel, pretty darn good. Two state ranked teams. Two state ranked teams. Reagan will have something to say about this. Yeah, it's a, th- it's a three horse race. Think about there. this as a semifinal. Yeah. Winner of this game gets to challenge Reagan for the district title. Mm-hmm. Now we could end up having you know everyone seven and one in district or whatever like that. But I do think that this is a really interesting measuring stick. And yeah, how far has Johnson come under under coach under coach Mark Soto and Brandeis first year head coach Charles Bruce? That's right. Over from Wagner. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. We uh, the San Antonio Johnson, San Antonio Wagner. I am very, very intrigued by that. What is next? What is your fifth and final pick? I'm gonna go to H Town, the Houston area, for a big game in KDISD mm. as the much improved Cinco Ranch Cougars at three and one open up district against state ranked Katie Tompkins. Mm-hmm. And Tompkins is the favorite in this game. Mm-hmm. There's any question about that? But Cinco Ranch, I said it seven on seven. They were much improved. Mm-hmm. You did and. This is a big game because Cinco Ranch is holds the key to Katie's fate, mm-hmm. in essence. Yes. If Cinco Ranch gets into the playoffs, that pretty much knocks Katie to the Division One bracket. 
So a win, an upset win over Tompkins would be huge and a, a huge step for Cinco Ranch going forward to get into the playoffs. Cinco Ranch doesn't need this game. Really, the games Cinco Ranch needs to win are Morton Ranch, Maid Creek, and Seven Lakes. Those are kind of the three big ones that Cinco has to win. But if they get themselves a win against a favored Tompkins team, I think that's kind of that a buffer win. Yes, it's kind I of an extra, extra win in their back pocket that they could use to, to get going. Now, Tompkins... They don't have the star power. They, you know, Jalen Milrow's gone. Mm-hmm. But I think top to bottom, this is a better team than last year. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Tompkins just destroyed Clear Creek last week, fifty-seven to seven. Clear Creek's a team that is probably going to be in the playoff race in twenty-four six A, and Tompkins just annihilated them. And and I'll tell you, the last couple of years, you look at Tompkins and what they've done that defensively. They're one of the best teams in the Houston area. They yes. they do a great job of getting stops and putting their putting their offense in favorable spots. They had the one kind of slip up against Clear Springs in week two, but other than that, I mean the other the other three games six points, thirteen points, and seven points. So they've been really good. They're a big favorite over over Cinco Ranch, but what I'm watching for this it's kind of like the Paladuro game. Mm-hmm. What I'm watching for is how well Cinco Ranch competes because I think that's going to go a long way in determining if I think Cinco Ranch is really truly ready for that. I think they are. This will be the evidence that I need to say that Cinco Ranch is ready to challenge for a playoff spot. They don't need to win this game, yeah. but I'm watching to see how they compete if this is a competitive game going into the second half. Yeah, and th- you're right. This is this is not, this is a game that I think we've already chalked in as a win for Tompkins because and and so for Cinco it's it's a loss but it's like you're right this is going to tell us this is a (laughs) this is a a canary in the coal mine for something that could impact not just Cinco Ranch but also the entire state of Texas depending Mm -hmm. on where Katie goes so that's an excellent picture your fifth pick I am going to go to the Rio Grande Valley ah yes district 1658 division one a battle of uh, unbeaten district teams. Yes. As McAllen Rowe. How about McAllen Rowe? Coach Flores is doing a great job down there. And, uh, takes on McAllen Memorial, um, not just for bragging rights, but also, you know, look, the, the winner of this game is going to be alone in first place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't. I don't know if I'm ready to say that the winner is is at least is the favorite, but they're certainly in the driver's seat. Yeah, because the, the, after this, basically almost half, I mean, f- mm-hmm. you know, almost half the district schedule will be played. Westlaco East is still kind of in the mix, but they have a loss on they have a district loss. Yeah, so yeah, Brownsville Vets. If you're four and zero in district play, you are you're sitting pretty. You feel let's put it this way, you feel very good about getting in the playoffs Absolutely. at that point yeah. at four and zero. Now at that point it's, it's let's let's yes. let's win some more games and prove and, and get as high a seat as possible. Let's get a home game. Yes, this is um, this is a really in- intriguing matchup. Rowe has been a, a, a fun story this year. Mateo Lanis, their quarterback, has been excellent this year. Uh, McAllen Memorial is going to uh, throw the ball four and a half times is the, is the over under. They have a new head coach in uh, Coach Patterson, but. Mm. Uh, they're still they, doing. What, they they haven't changed with their their style. They do what they do. They do yeah. what they do. They're gonna they're gonna line it up. Two tight ends, two running backs, one yeah. receiver, and they're gonna say we're we're coming at you. We're coming downhill at you and st- mm-hmm. try to stop us. And so, really, this is a game. One of those games where it's dictated by pace. That if this game is played at a McAllen Memorial pace, where long sustained drives, a lot of third and one 
a lot of third and two and just getting four yards and, yeah. and picking it up and doing that, then I think then I think Memorial's gonna choke him out, basically. That yeah. they're just gonna they're gonna put him in a rear a rear naked choke and it's gonna be over. For McGowan Rowe, a lot of this comes down to I think being able to get get off the field on third down. And then also, if they can force a couple turnovers, right? Yeah. If they can, the 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 higher the number of possessions in this game, the better it is for Rowe. For sure, that's the big question. And it's got to be, I would say, anything more than two possessions a quarter, yeah, favors Rowe. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think you can get, you know, if you can, if you can get six possessions and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. then then you're feeling good because yeah. you feel like you could probably go out there. Now the Memorial defense has been pretty good, but they feel like they're going to be able to score on at least half those possessions. Yeah. So at that point, you're you're talking about getting into the into the 30s or the 40s, and that's not where McCallum Memorial wants to live. McCallum Memorial wants to live in the 20s. Yes, so that's a, 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 nice and comfy here in the 20s. Really intriguing, really intriguing game here. Be a big crowd, big big crowd in yeah. the valley. Yeah. At the Valley's biggest stadium, yes. you know, Veterans uh, Memorial Stadium is the biggest stadium in the, in the Rio Grande Valley. It's I feel sorry if we ever has to walk those press box steps to go to the press box. That is a long walk. Our, our buddy David Hinojosa has made that walk many times. <laughs> so there, there George, it is. Hashtag George Nason. There is there it is. Uh, your Week Five draft step took El Paso Riverside Monahans Rockwall Rockwall Heath Amarillo Tuscos Amarillo Paladero Corpus Christi Miller uh, Waco La Vega. Katie Cinco Ranch, Katie Tompkins. I took Carthage Gilmore, Port Natchez Groves, Nederland, Children's Spearman, San Antonio Johnson, San Antonio Brandeis, and uh, McCallum Memorial, McCallum Road. We spanned yeah, the state. We really did. We really covered most of We got of El Paso. We got DFW. We got Houston. The only thing we're really missing is Austin. It's a weaker, weaker yeah, it's, slate. Yeah, it's a little weaker slate this week. Yeah. yeah. A very, very it's a good game. The big country this week: Snyder and Jim Ned too. Snyder and Jim Ned's battle of four. Uh, that's, teams. A, that's that's another undefe- That's one of those four and zero undefeated teams in Snyder. Yeah. That I'm like, same Let's district as Monahan's. Let's see. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to buy in, but I need to see a little bit more proof of concept. If they hang with Jim Ned, it's kind of like what happened with Cisco last week, right? If they do what Cisco did, where they just hang with them and lose what twenty eight fourteen. Yeah. I'm down with that. I'm mm-hmm. I'm ready to buy him. Anyway, it's now time for America's favorite uh, portion of this podcast, which is the hipster game of the week. Matt Sepp, what is your hipster game of the week? I'm going to pick Ishmael Johnson's Friday night game. Whoa! Because our good buddy Ishmael Johnson is headed to Beast, Texas for a battle of 4-0 teams that is really under the radar. As the troop, did you know Troop was four and zero? The Troop Tigers. I are found 4-0. that out today. Yeah, <laughs> taking on number seven four and zero West Rusk, and this is a really intriguing game because I, this is this is a real measuring. St- troop has probably not played the schedule West Rusk has played, mm-hmm. and West Rusk has wins over Mineola and East Chambers, mm-hmm. who are good Division One teams. Mm-hmm. Troop hasn't played that kind of schedule. This is kind of that measuring stick to see where a Troop is. Are they legit? Are they a true playoff contender? out there i mean east texas in 3a division two is flat out loaded you got west rusk you got wascom you got dangerfield you got elysian fields i mean it is a loaded loaded region of teams and if troop can play well be competitive i think you have to put troop in that mix as well so really intrigued to see um if they can go over to new london and give the west rusk raiders a ball game so um, i'm excited uh, i know ish is gonna looking forward to it and we've already told him he needs to go eat at stanley's and tyler yeah that's just that's just the move he, ish if, if don't, you're listening don't overthink it yeah just don't overthink just it. go to stanley's ish get your brother-in-law you'll be good to go Matt step i'm gonna go to the high plains in beautiful hansford county at Greyhound Stadium for another matchup of unbeatens. And I would say a surprise, a pair of surprise unbeatens. 
TexasBob.com says that this has the best natural grass field in the panhandle. Really? As the Groover Greyhounds at 3-0 welcome in the Shamrock Fighting Irish at 4-0 in a matchup of unbeatens, one of, I believe, 25 matchups of unbeatens in Texas high school football this week. And, and Groover, I'll tell you what, they, that, something, they, they've improved. They, they really struggled when, when they, after they went to that state championship game. No, they buddy, really they bottomed out. Yeah, they bottomed out last year. They are very clearly better. Yeah. And a lot of it is on the defensive side. They're deep Because if I remember last year, they were, I can even look this up. Their defense, if I'm not mistaken, they were getting tore. Yeah. Oh, boy. Howdy. They gave up 436 points in 11 games. Yeah, they struggled. That's uh, that's, that's, that's brutal. Um, that's a less but than the defense, optimal average. Defense has been a lot better. They're getting, uh, they're getting a very, very solid rushing attack. Uh, they've got, a, they've got a, a quarterback, a junior quarterback named Mason Gibson, who's kind of cooking a little bit. They've been good. Very solid. For Shamrock... The mighty fighting Irish. This is a team that is deciding, like, why don't we just score every time we have the football? That seems like a lot of fun. Uh, they have they themselves have a junior quarterback uh, named uh, Kit Messina. Kit Messina has been excellent, but they are running the ball especially well with him. He's got five fifty nine on the ground or five eighty on the ground, five fifty nine through the air. That'll play. They've also got another junior running back uh, named Caden Peavy, who's been very good as well. This is a really, uh, this is, in my opinion, the best game, the best matchup that either of these teams have seen. Um, Although it's weird because Groover did play a team from Oklahoma, Texoma, Oklahoma. I don't, I just don't know a ton about them. But like, if I had told you before the season, hey, by the way, Groover's going to go to Panhandle and beat them. You'd be like, what? Really? The Lee Brandon's doing a good job there. Um, Very... I think Groover's benefiting a little bit from because mm-hmm. Groover was supposed to play Wellington last week. Oh, were they? And it got, got there was lightning hit uh-huh. the area, so the game got they didn't get started because lightning just mm-hmm. didn't move out of the area, and they just decided not to play. It probably works in Groover's advantage. I think Wellington might have beat him up been a little a, bit, been a little physical and beat him up a mm-hmm. little bit. So I think not playing that game probably works to Groover's advantage in this matchup. Well, well let's just say the computer has Groover as a an eleven point favorite, and next week they got him as a six point favorite at Wheeler. I'm just saying, we could be talking about 5-0 and Groover. We could be talking about 5-0 Groover. 5-0 Groover, Groover but, heading, heading that district opener against Vega. But their defense has got to has got to show up against what's been a very, very good Shamrock team. So uh, that's my hipster game of the week, Groover and Shamrock. What is your schedule looking like? All buddy? right, so uh, Thursday night, I am headed to our, visit our friends in Mesquite at beautiful Memorial Stadium. One of my top... Oh, Love Mesquite Memorial. I can't keep saying one of my top three stadiums because then I have to name them. Yeah, it's in my t- it's in my it's in my top ten. Yeah, and the, love the, Mesquite the hospitality. We've talked about Mesquite ISD and how good of a job they do. Elite. I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going to service in the press box. And I got Longview and West Mesquite. And I'd say West Mes- Frank Sandoval's done a great job at West Mesquite. He really has. They've really improved. Um, they blew a big lead against Chisholm Trail last week. I know that's sticking in their craw a little bit. And Longview, since getting blown out by Denton Ryan, they're kind of doing that Longview thing where they've gotten a little bit better each week. And they, they took out Arkansas's defending 7A state champs last week in Bryant, 24-21. Yeah, they so did. Longview. And they had, boy, they, I want to say the Longview's Twitter account was talking about, they had won like 30-something straight games yeah. at Bryant team. Yeah, and Longview beat them 24-21. So mm-hmm. Longview. I think is getting it together a little bit. Um, so this is a district opener, so big game uh, out there at Mesquite Memorial on Thursday night. 
then Friday, I'm getting on a plane and uh, knock on wood and heading down to the Corpus Christi area. Uh, Friday night, I'm going to go watch the Sinton Pirates take on the West Oso Bears at Sinton Pirates Stadium. Sinton's a big favorite in this game, mm-hmm. but it's a good chance for me to uh, get eyes on the Pirates. Uh, int- they interest me. They've kind of been hanging around the, the rank. They, they were state ranked up until last week, um, and no fault of their own. They got dropped out of the state ranking, so we had to make room for Navarro who beat Cuero, so we had to make room for Navarro in the rankings that knocked out number 10 Sinton last week. Um, but Sinton's a team that I think is a contender in Region 4, so I want to get eyes on the Pirates. And then Saturday, got the big one at Buck Stadium, uh, La Vega, and Corpus Christi Miller. So, solid week of games for me. What time's Longview West Muskegon? It's a 7 o'clock kick. Might have to ask the missus. Yeah, 7 o'clock kick. See if I can get a little, little Thursday night hall. There you go. Go hang out with John King. Who doesn't want to hang out with John what King? If I, if I told, just go to my wife, be like, "Hey, honey, um, the uh, the A and M starting quarterback, uh, his dad's in town. I just want to go hang out." With yeah, him. See, see, see that works. Yeah, <laughs> see if that works. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't go to a game last week. I might be able to pull that off. Mm-hmm. Uh, TBD. I'm gonna make my wife listen to this. <laughs> honey, Good this luck. is me asking you. All right, Let's buy her an extra pizza. Please watch. There you go. Uh, uh, thank you. Please watch Valley Sports Southwest. I'm supposed to tell you that. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us, being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Make sure you tune in to TexasFootball.com for Matt Steph's mega preview. Uh, and tell your friend about this podcast. Tell them that uh, you should uh, they should listen to this. Uh, Step, thanks for your courage. Thank you. See you next week on Tapping Stuff.